Amen. Well, we have taken the first of the year to talk about vision. Okay, we started 2020 off and taken the very first few weeks of the brand new year to talk about vision. Everybody is talking about 2020 vision. We figure, well, why don't we do the same, but we'll do it geared toward God's vision rather than our own vision. And the reason why we've spent the first part of the year, the new year, talking about vision is because we all want change. No matter how bad your life is, no matter how good your life is, you don't ever want to stay the same. You don't want to stay the same in any area, any facet, any aspect of your life. You always want to increase. You always want to go higher. You always want to obtain more. And God wants that for you. That's why he has called us to mature in Christ. Not to stay the same, not to say babes in Christ. Paul told the church of Corinth, I wanted to give you more. I wanted to give you meat, but I had to keep feeding you milk <laughs> because you would never grow up. You would never mature. You would never change. And so it is God's heart for us to increase and to prosper and to mature and to grow up and to have and receive more. And so therefore, no matter how bad your life is, no matter how good your life is, we are all here because we all want change. And therefore, I believe that vision is probably one of the most important things a person can have. As the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So seeing the having the ability to see the unseen and believe in what you see. Having the ability to see what nobody else can see and you believe in that enough to pursue that is one of the greatest attributes or abilities God can grant us. Faith in what God has shown us that it could be possible for us. So after understanding vision and becoming a people of vision and speaking as well as seeing vision and then being made new to produce the vision, there's only one thing that is left. And the one thing that is left is having the power to pull it off. You now understand what vision is. Sight is the ability to see. Vision is the ability to see the unseen. You now have become a people of vision. You now are willing to speak the vision, make it plain so that those may hear it, will run with it and wait for it. You have now be, been made brand new in Jesus Christ that you may now produce the vision that God has given So the only thing that is left now is having the power to pull it off. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Don't we already have that power? When we gave our life to Jesus Christ, he deposited his power in us. He gave us his own spirit. And so don't we already have the power to pull off the vision? Well, what we have is actually potential power. <laughs> what we actually have is now potential power. See, there is a difference between power that is realized and power that is actualized. You may know and understand there is electricity and power running through this building right now. But it is not actualized until you actually turn something on. (laughs) Until you actually flip a switch. Until you actually plug something in. You have the power already there. There is power already in your home right now. The power is running through your home, but it is not actualized until you actually turn something on. And it is the same way with the power that God has given us. Power we have must now be activated. You have power. If you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says it is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal body. And so you have the very same power that Jesus Christ has. That's why when he raised from the dead, he says, all power. How much power? All power of heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you can now go and do because the power that I have, I have now given it to you. 
So if you name the name of Jesus Christ, if you have given your life to Jesus, if you've repented from your sin, turned from your wicked ways and turned to Jesus Christ and received him as your Lord and Savior, you have already been given power. You have it. You need to realize that you have it, but you also need to actualize the power that you have. In other words, that power that is in you must be activated. You know, I listen to uh, the Kid Craddock show in the morning. Anybody listen to Kid Craddock in the morning? I, I love Kid Craddock's show. Uh, you know, and, and this is just a, a, a radio talk show, and they have different skits and uh, bits and gimmicks and all kinds of different things that they do on this show. But one of the things that they have is something called first world problems, okay? <laughs> first world problems, <laughs> And what first world problems is all about is, you know, someone living in the third world, they got real problems, okay? They have real issues. They're worrying about where their next meal is going to come from. But we here in the first world, we have first world problems. (laughs) We, We have things that may annoy us and frustrate us, and we really think that it's a problem, even though compared to the rest of the world, it wouldn't be a problem. So every now and then, people will call in and they will share their first world problem. And they will call in and say something like, yeah, I just got engaged and uh, my diamond ring is so big, it get, keeps getting snagged in all my clothes. I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> or I, I just got a brand new boat, but it won't fit in my boathouse. I mean, I don't know what to do. First world problems. <laughs> but this one is a common one. Somebody called in and said, yeah, my house is so big. How big? No, I'm just saying. It's not the Carson show. Okay. My house is so big that my Wi-Fi won't cover it. My house is so big that there are some dead spots in my house. There are some rooms that I can't get Wi-Fi in because it's so big my Wi-Fi cannot reach. And that is a first world problem. But even though it is a first world problem, they have already come up with a solution for that. (laughs) They have come up with a solution. They have come up with a device that won't bring power, won't create the signal. It will simply boost the signal that's already there. (laughs) It will amplify the signal that is already there. And so if you buy this little device, if you plug it in, you link it up to your Wi-Fi, it's not creating power. It's not creating signal. It is amplifying or boosting the signal or the power that's already there. And that is what God is talking about. The amplifier's job is not to create the signal. It is to, it's to take what's already there and increase it. It is to take what's already there and amplify it. It's just like this microphone that I'm holding in my hand. This microphone isn't creating the sound. What it's doing is it's amplifying the sound. It is increasing the sound that's already there. Well, God also has a power amplifier. Okay? You already have the the power, it must be actualized. You already have the power, it must be activated. You already have the power, it must be amplified. And so God, too, also has a power amplifier. And the job of this power amplifier is to increase the power that is already in you. Now, you want to know what this power amplifier is? (laughs) Don't don't answer too quickly (laughs) because you may not like the answer. (laughs) You may not like the power amplifier that God has provided, but whether you like it or not, it's what he has provided to amplify the power he's given you. So this last installment of our series called Do You See What I See? We're calling part four power amplifier. Power amplifier amplifier. If you have your Bibles, go with me before we get into our text. Go with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, it is God, Jesus Christ, who is going to call 
and then empower 12 men. Okay? He has found his 12 men. He has found his 12 disciples that he is going to mentor. He is going to use to uh, minister to the people, to bring the kingdom of God to the people, to begin the church that we know today. He's going to find these men. He's going to call these men. And then he's going to empower these men. And we find it in Matthew 10 verse 1. It says this. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them what? Power. Okay. (laughs) He has called these 12 men. He has called these 12 disciples. And the Bible is clear about this. At that moment when God, when Jesus Christ called these 12 men, the Bible says, and he gave them power. But it's even more specific than that. He didn't just give them general power. No, he tells them what kind of power he gave them to do what he's called them to do. It says he gave them power over unclean spirits, demons, to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So what did Jesus Christ do with his 12 disciples? He empowered them. He gave them power over demons to be able to cast them out and heal sickness and disease. That is the power that he gave his his disciples in chapter 10. But now if you jump to chapter 17... (laughs) If you now jump a few chapters over to chapter 17, the disciples now are going to be faced with a problem. They're going to be faced with a demon they can't deal with. A demon they cannot handle. This father has a son who is demon possessed. And this demon tries to kill his son. This demon will throw him in the fire to burn him. This demon will throw him in the water to try and drown him. And so this son is demon possessed. So the father takes his son to the disciples. He says, look, my son, he's demon possessed. He's being thrown in the fire and the water. This demon is trying to destroy him. Can you do something about it? And these disciples, they try and they try and they try and they try, but to no avail, they cannot cast this demon out. They can't cast this demon out. But wait a minute. (laughs) Isn't that what Jesus just gave them the power to do in in chapter 10? Chapter 10, we just read that that's exactly the power God gave them. The ability to deal with demons to cast them out. But yet they're here, they're faced with a situation where they tried to cast this demon out, but they couldn't cast this demon out. And so after the father is frustrated with these disciples, he then takes his son to Jesus. He tells Jesus what just happened and the disciples couldn't do it. And so Jesus ends up speaking a word and the demon flees. (laughs) Jesus doesn't lay hands. Jesus doesn't have a revival service. Jesus doesn't strike up the band. He just speaks a word (laughs) and that demon flees. And so being embarrassed, being shocked at all of this, these disciples are now wondering why in the world couldn't we do that? If Jesus gave us power and the power was over demons, And the power over demons was to cast them out of people. Yet when we tried to do that, we were unable to do that. We were unsuccessful in doing that. Why? Why? And so they're going to ask Jesus why. In Matthew 17, verse 19, it says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. Okay, They waited till the crowd dispersed. Everybody went home. And privately they came to Jesus and said, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I mean, in chapter 10, you gave us power. In chapter 10, you said we could cast out demons. In chapter 10, you said we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You gave us this power. And so why is it when we try to utilize that power, we were unsuccessful? Why is that? And notice the response that Jesus gives. 
So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. It's not because you don't have power. I gave you the power. (laughs) But it is because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as small as mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus says it's not that you don't have power. It's that you don't believe in the power you have. <laughs> it's not that you don't have power. It's that you don't believe in the power that you have. In other words, you don't realize the power that is in you. You don't believe in the power that is in you. But then he says something else because it says it goes even further than that. Because after you realize the power that's in you, after you believe in the power that's in you, you still may not be successful because of this reason. He says in verse 21, however, this kind, everybody say this kind. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. <laughs> I told y'all y'all weren't going to like it. Okay? <laughs> Jesus said, this kind <laughs> will not move. This kind <laughs> will not budge. This kind will not go out except by prayer and fasting. So that's brought about a debate within the church. It's brought about a debate within Christendom. People want to debate, what did Jesus mean when he said this kind? Did he mean this kind of unbelief? Or did he mean this kind of demon? Well, it really doesn't matter. That's a moot point. The point is, there is something that is hindering your power that you have. There is something that is getting in the way of the power being actualized through you. Whether it's your unbelief or whether it's this particular demon, the point is there is something that only prayer and fasting will fix. Whether it's unbelief or whether it's a particular demon in your life, Jesus is saying there are some things where only prayer and fasting will fix. You may have the Wi-Fi signal. (laughs) You may have the power, but what you need is a boost. (laughs) What you need is a power amplifier. (laughs) And so he gives them the power amplifier. He says, it's not just prayer, but it is prayer and fasting. Not prayer or fasting. (laughs) Not prayer instead of fasting. He says, by prayer and fasting. There are certain things that will not move in your life. There are certain things that will not budge except through prayer and fasting. You know, people have this question all the time. They say, why do we need to pray? I mean, if God is going to do what he wants to do anyway, (laughs) if God's will is going to be done anyway, it's just like voting. You have people who don't vote for the same reason. I'm not going to vote. Why do I need to vote? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen anyway. (laughs) Whatever God's going to do, he's going to do anyway. So why do I need to vote? Why do I need to pray? Why do I need to do that? If God's going to do what he wants to do anyway, why do I need to pray? Answer, because God will not do some things outside of prayer. That's why. There are certain things that God has decided he will not do outside of prayer. Certain things, okay? Can he do it? Absolutely. Does he want to do it? Of course he does. But he has determined and decided he will not do certain things outside of prayer. That's why James said, you have not because you what? Ask not. (laughs) You have not because you ask not because there are certain things Not all things, but there are definitely certain things that God has decided he will not do outside of you praying. Not because he needs you to pray. He says, I know what you have need of even before you ask. (laughs) 
God is the omniscient God. God knows all things already. He's not needing you to pray so you can give him information he doesn't already have. He says, no, I know what you have need of even before you ask me. But I still want you to ask me. Why? Because he desires relationship with us. He desires fellowship with us. He doesn't want to be just your sugar daddy in the sky. He don't want to be a Santa Claus in the sky. He don't want to be an ATM where you just say, this is what I need. No. He says, I want relationship with you. I want fellowship with you. So there are certain things I am not going to do, even though I want to do it, even though I can do it, I will not do it without you praying. That is the reason why we pray. Now, certainly, again, this is not the case for all things, but it is the case for some things. Therefore, we pray for everything because we don't know what God will do and what he won't do outside of us praying. So we pray for everything because we don't know if that one thing is something God is waiting on us to pray about. So this idea or notion, I don't need to pray because God's going to do what he wants to do anyway, is wrong. I don't need to pray because God's will is going to be done anyway. No, the Bible says it is God's will that none perish. Is anybody perishing? Absolutely. (laughs) So we must be willing to pray, the Bible says. But do you know it is the same way with fasting? What is true about prayer is just as true about fasting. There are certain things that won't be dealt with apart from fasting. There are certain devils, there are certain demons, there are certain issues, there are certain problems, there are certain mentalities, there are certain things that we are going to face in this life that will not be dealt with apart from fasting will not be addressed, will not budge, will not move until we are willing to pray and fast. Some of us in here right now, we are praying and believing that 2020 is going to be different and we're not going to have to be facing the same issues we had in 2019 and 2018 and 2017 and 2016. (laughs) You're asking God, God, why am I still going through this? Why am I still battling with this? Why am I still faced with this? I mean, I come to church and I pray and I read my Bible and I serve and I give and I do all these things. But God's going to say, yeah, but did you fast? (laughs) Have you fasted, though? Because fasting is the power amplifier. And if you are not willing to fast, don't cry out to me, don't complain to me that you're still faced with the same situation because you haven't utilized the resources I have given you. You know, we like to use the joke, the story of the guy in the flood where the boat comes, he says, no, God's going to save me. And the helicopter comes, says, no, God's going to save me. And he gets to heaven and says, God, why didn't you save me? And he says, well, I sent the boat, I sent the helicopter. We laugh at that, we say we would never do that, but we do that all the time. (laughs) God has given us the boat called prayer. He has given us the helicopter called fasting. And we say, no, thank you. I don't need that. I don't need prayer. I don't need fasting. I don't need that. But then we will go to God and we will complain to him because of the issues we are still faced with. God says, if you would just utilize the resources I gave you, that demon would move from you. You are dealing with what can only be dealt with by prayer and fasting. Notice, fasting is not only for the moment that you're in. Fasting is for the moments to come. Okay? A lot of times, if and when we fast, it's only when we're in trouble. (laughs) Only when we're in trouble, only when we we got a dilemma or something and we say, okay, I'm going to fast. Now, fasting is not just for the moment that you're in, but for the moments to come. Those disciples couldn't say, oh, thank you for bringing your son to us, but can you come back next week? We need to go fast for this. No, they had to be ready now. (laughs) They had to be ready now to do what God had called them to do now. Fasting is not only for the problem and the moment that you're in. This is an ongoing lifestyle. This is a regular basis for you, okay? 
It is an ongoing thing that you do regularly, normally in your life to amplify the power that is already in you. (laughs) Because fasting, to Jesus anyway, was a given. I mean, it it was just a given. Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. <laughs> when you fast, this is how you do it. When you fast, make sure you don't do these things. He didn't say, if you fast. No, fasting was a given. He said, why wouldn't you utilize this power that I've given you? Why wouldn't you utilize the resources I've given you? Why wouldn't you utilize this power amplifier that I've given you? So to Jesus, it was a given that his people would fast. <laughs> It was a given, but sadly and unfortunately today, fasting is a four-letter word. Okay? <laughs> fast is a four-letter word we don't want to use, we don't want to hear, don't talk to me about fasting. <laughs> and we are cutting ourselves from the power amplifier that God has given. So, why is fasting God's power amplifier. Why is that? Why is fasting God's power amplifier and how is it effective in making us effective? That's what we want to answer. You remember that Verizon commercial? Yeah, that guy, I think he's working for Sprint now, but before he was with Verizon. (laughs) You would see him on the street corner with a cell phone to his ear and he would be asking the question. Can you hear me now? <laughs> and he would say, good. Then he'd walk a little further down the road and say, how about now? Good. <laughs> and he'd go a little further and go to different places in the city and the town. Can you hear me now? Good. What he was doing, he was asking, is there any interference between us? <laughs> is there any hindrance between you and I? Is there anything getting in the way from me hearing you and from you hearing me? (laughs) That's what he was asking, okay? And it is that same reason that God has given us the power amplifier called fast or fasting. It's like this way. Prayer is the conduit or the pipeline that connects us to heaven, okay? When we pray, what we are doing is we are connecting heaven and earth, okay? Prayer is the pipeline. Prayer is the conduit that connects us to the resources of heaven. Faith is what pulls it down, okay? Faith is what draws it to us. That's why when the woman with the issue of blood, she touched the hem of his garment, and Jesus said, I felt power flow from me (laughs) because she connected to him with the conduit and then her faith was the ability to bring what she needed down to her that is what prayer does prayer is the conduit that connects us to heaven faith is what pulls it down but there are times when the conduit gets clogged There are times when the conduit that connects us to heaven and connects us to God gets clogged. Where the blessings or the resources of heaven aren't able to freely flow to us like they ought to be. Why? Because the conduit is clogged. The pipeline is clogged. And it is clogged with the flesh. The Bible says it's the flesh that wars with the spirit. It is the flesh that gets in the way of the spirit. And so because we live in these sinful bodies and we live in this sinful world and we have all kinds of sinful things that we are feeding our flesh and our mind, God says that tends to plug up the pipeline. (laughs) That tends to clog the, the, the conduit to where the power can't freely flow like it needs to. So every now and then, you need to apply some Drano to your pipeline, okay? (laughs) Every now and then, you need to clear the conduit. And that is what fasting will do. Look, fasting does absolutely nothing for God. Fasting does absolutely nothing for God. We cannot add to God anything. 
We cannot take away from God anything. Whether you fast or you don't, whether you pray or you don't, God is still going to be God. Okay? You are not taking anything from him. So when we were growing up and my, my mother was cooking something we didn't like, we like, uh, I'm, I'm not going to eat that. So, well, whose stomach is going to hurt? Mine or yours? <laughs> you think you're hurting me because you're not going to eat? <laughs> you're hurting yourself. No. If we don't fast, we're not hurting God. If we fast, we're not giving anything to God that he doesn't already have. We, we do absolutely nothing to God when we fast. In other words, fasting is not for God. It is for us. We can't manipulate God with fasting. We can't twist God's arm to do something he doesn't want to do with fasting. Oh, just ask David that. When Nathan the prophet came to David and said, because of what you have done, David, your child is going to die. What did he go do? He went and he fasted. (laughs) He went and he fell before God and he fasted, the Bible says, Hoping that God would change his mind. Well, guess what? The child still died. (laughs) The child still died. Why? Because fasting is not for God. Fasting doesn't change God. Fasting doesn't move God. Fasting is for us. Fasting doesn't cause God to flow, in other words. It simply opens us up more to receive God already flowing. Or in other words, it unclogs the conduit. That is what fasting does. It's like that show, Biggest Loser. Y'all remember that show? When that first came on, I was thinking, why in the world are they calling people losers? (laughs) I mean, this day and age with all the bullying that's going on, why would you call somebody a loser and the biggest loser at that? Then I discovered and found out what they were talking about. Oh, the one who wins is the one who loses. And what exactly are they losing? Flesh. (laughs) Weight, we call it weight, but they're losing flesh. (laughs) They're losing physical flesh. And the more physical flesh they lose, the more they have a chance of winning. God says it's the same thing with your spiritual flesh. When the Bible talks about the flesh, it's talking about our sinful, fallen nature, our carnal nature, our worldly ways. That is the flesh that gets in the way of the spirit. So God says if you would just lose more flesh, (laughs) then you would win more in the spirit. And so he has called us to do that. And even when you would watch that show, you would see trainers. They would say, look, I know that there's a healthy person in you. I know there is a fit person in you. There is just something that is blocking that from coming out. But it is my job to get what I see in you out of you because it's there. The healthy version of you is there. The fit version of you is there, but something is blocking the power. So it is my job to amplify the power to get what I see in you out of you. That is what fasting does. What fasting does in the natural, because we obviously know there are benefits, physical, natural benefits to fasting, It's not only preachers in the Bible who will tell you to fast. Doctors will tell you to fast. Trainers will tell you to fast because there is benefit in fasting. But what fasting does in the natural, it also does in the spiritual. There are certain things that happen to the body when we fast, when we stop eating. Okay, There are certain things that happen. Let me give you a few of them. Number one, like you said, we lose weight, okay? We lose flesh. You stop eating, you stop feeding your body, you are going to lose flesh. Well, God says, in the same way, you lose spiritual flesh. You you lose that spiritual control that your flesh, your carnal sinful nature has over you when you fast. Number two, when you fast, you break the habit for food. You break the habit for food. You know, some of us eat to live, right? And then there are some of us (laughs) who live to eat. 
We, we, we eat not because we, we need it to survive. We eat it because we like it. <laughs> we eat it because it, it feels good to us. We eat it because it entertains us. We look forward to eating. <laughs> but when you fast, it will break the habit for food from you. Well, spiritually the same way, when you fast, it will break the habit for sin. There are certain strongholds that we have. There are certain things that we struggle with. He's like, man, I can't seem to, to kick this habit. I keep going to this sin and going to sin. Well, if you can deny your body its number one craving, which is food, you can deny your body anything that it craves, including sin. So when it breaks the habit of your desire for physical food, it simultaneously breaks your habit for the spiritual sin that you keep running to as well. When you fast, your body goes through a detox. <laughs> you fast, your body goes through a detox. Do you know how much junk we put in our bodies? From the processed foods and the sugars and the preservatives and the pesticides and all kinds of things, of fried foods and fats and all the things we put in our body. <laughs> When you stop eating and you drink water to flush all that out, your body goes through a detox. <laughs> You're getting out all the junk. You got all the impurities from your body. Well, the same thing happens spiritually when you fast. All the things that you pick up living in this life, the things we watch, the things we listen to, the places we go, the people we hang out with, it is just filling our soul with junk, <laughs> with poison. And so when you decide to fast, you give opportunity for the spirit to flush all that out of you. Before it clears the arteries when you fast. I went to my doctor. He says, Neil, you have high cholesterol. Okay, You're in the 400s. You're going to die one day. I don't care how in shape you think you are. Okay, <laughs> If blood cannot get to your heart, <laughs> you will die. <laughs> and so he says, this is what you need to do. You need to go on a Mediterranean diet. He said, you need to fast, okay? Cut out all that red meat, cut out all that processed food and things you got to open up because you are clogging up your arteries. So when you fast, guess what? You clear the pipeline. <laughs> what is cholesterol? It is just clogged up pipeline with all the plaque and the gunk and the filth that you've been feeding your body. So when you fast, you're able to clear that out. Well, in the same way, God says you're doing the same thing spiritually. You're clearing the pipeline when you decide to fast. Number five, it quiets the body. It quiets the body. We, we have so many things going on in our body, and it could be because of what we're eating. <laughs> and we got headaches and stomach aches, and we're irritable, and antacids popping in every hour. And all these, that's because what we're feeding our body. <laughs> They, they didn't eat like this a thousand years ago. They didn't eat like this a hundred years ago. <laughs> we are literally eating ourselves to death. Okay? And so when we fast, our body is now to finally say, thank you, I'm able to rest. <laughs> I don't have to fight so hard to try and break down the chemicals. <laughs> Break down artificial stuff. I don't have to fight so hard. My body can now rest. Because you're fasting. Well, God says same way spiritually. When you decide to fast, you are able to give your soul, your mind, rest. You have all the chaos in your mind, the confusion in your mind, the frustration in your mind, the anxiety in your mind. God says, why don't you fast? Take time to fast so you can rest and let your mind get quiet for once. So it quiets the body. Number six, it clears the mind. You know how much uh, space you can free up in your mind when you fast? I mean, imagine all the mental capacity it takes to feed your body and your family. This is one of the issues me and my wife have in our household. Okay? What are we going to eat? Okay? <laughs> that, that is a common occurrence at the Winchester home. Okay? What are we going to eat? Okay? What do they want? It? Kids don't like that. And I got to go to the store. I got to find something. I got to cook. I mean, all kinds of things. If we just say, okay, we're not going to eat for a while. <laughs> Imagine how freed up our mind would be. You say, well, that's just one thing, but it's a big thing. <laughs> 
It's a big thing that consumes your mind. But when you fast, it frees up your mind. And God says in the same way, when you fast, spiritually your mind is free. There are other things that you can fast other than food, and we'll get to in a little bit. But your mind is now free for God to speak to you. God says, look, it's not that I'm not speaking. You, you're just, you can't hear me. I mean, you're so busy. You got so many things going on in, you, in your life. I can't get a word in. <laughs> Why don't you clear your mind for a while? Tune in to me and you will be able to hear my voice. So it clears the mind. Number seven, it frees up time. How much time is devoted to feeding our bodies? You got to, again, think about what you're going to eat. You got to drive to the store. You got to go grocery shopping. You got to get what everybody likes to eat. You got to come back home. You got to cook the food. You got to eat the food. You got to clean up after you've eaten the food. I mean, and you got to do that three times a day. (laughs) How much time can be freed up if you would just fast? And again, God says the same thing. How much time do you devote to feeding your flesh? with TV and Netflix and cell phones and social media and all kinds of things. Why don't you just free up the time that you may spend that time with me? Obviously, it saves money. The money that is going toward food now can go toward other things. And think about where your money goes right now. How much of your money goes to feeding your flesh, feeding your habits, feeding the things that feel good to you? Number nine, it clears up the skin. You look better. That was one of the things that my family noticed. I was sending pictures uh, from uh, Israel, and it's all Mediterranean there. (laughs) It is a Mediterranean diet there. It says, oh, yeah, you kind of look a little cleared up in the Holy Land. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm not eating junk. (laughs) I'm eating fish and vegetables and drinking water all day. (laughs) You look better. Moses fasted 40 days on the mountain and he came back with his face shining. He looked so good being in the presence of God. You look better when you fast. God says you get a a new look when you begin to fast for that sake. You get energy. Some people say, no, if, if I don't eat, I won't have any energy. Well, yeah, until you break the will of the flesh. <laughs> but after that, you get energy when you begin to eat right. I mean, you're tired all the time, you're lethargic all the time, you got a headache all the time. It's because you're putting junk in your body all the time. But when you begin to fast, you will be amazed at the energy and the strength that you now have. Isn't that what David and his friends discover? <laughs> Is that we're not going to eat from the king's table all this junk. We're going to eat what's kosher. We're going to eat what's clean. We're going to eat what's right and test us, and I bet you we will be in better shape with more energy than all these other men who is eating this junk food. So you have more energy. It may even help your intimacy. (laughs) You married people out there, what gets in the way of intimacy? You're tired, (laughs) okay? You you got headaches, and and some of you're bloated. I mean, you got all kinds of things that get in the way of your intimacy, but if you would, but fast, It could even probably help your intimacy. And God says in the same way, that is the reason, the main reason why you're fasting, so that you may be intimate with me. That you may be intimate. You cut out all the junk, whether food or entertainment, whatever it is, and you devote that time so that you may be intimate with me. God convicted me on that one time. He said, how is it that you complain about not being intimate with your wife, but you don't even want to be intimate with me? (laughs) you don't spend time with me you don't spend quality time with me so why are you complaining and so God desires intimacy with us God desires to be relational with us to connect with us and so that's what fasting will do and then lastly mental awareness and retention mental awareness and and, attention Uh, retention. You you will feel like you have superpowers. (laughs) You'll be able to see things you've never seen before and and hear things and and see things clearly. Right now it's all fuzzy. It's all white noise to you, but when you fast, your mind is clear. You hear from God and you feel like you have superpowers all of a sudden because of the fast. 
Now, no, you do not experience all this by missing a meal and saying, I'm hungry, let me go eat something and say, oh, well, I guess fasting didn't work. No, that's not fasting. <laughs> Just because you miss a meal doesn't mean you fasted, okay? You fast when you break the will of the body. You fast when you break the will. Your body is going to crave food. Your, bro- your body is going to say, I'm hungry. It's going to do that. <laughs> But if you go beyond that point and go past that point where you break the will of your flesh, that is when you have now stepped into fasting. And so fasting works when we are willing to work it. So when you break the will of the flesh, when you discipline your body, when you submit your mind to to God, that is when you enter into a fast. Okay, so you say, okay, I'm convinced, Pastor. God has given us this resource from heaven. He's given us this way to amplify the power that he's already given us. I'm convinced. I want to fast. How do I do it? Before anybody fasts, I would first say, if you need to, consult at least two people. Okay, consult your doctor (laughs) and consult God. Okay. Consult your doctor and consult God. Look, you can only go weeks without food. You can only go days without water. So the men who fasted in the Bible 40 days, that took a miracle of God. Okay? Everybody who fasted did not fast for 40 days. Okay? In other words, they sought God about their fast. And so if you have health issues or complications, you need to consult your doctor, do that first, but go to God and say, okay, God, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do concerning this fast? Because fasting consists of three things, okay? Why you fast, what you fast, and how long you fast, okay? Fasting consists of those three things, why you're fasting to begin with what you are fasting and how long you are going to fast. And so you simply go to God to see what that is. So the last thing I want to do before we close is to give you six different fasts that we find in the Bible. Six different fasts that we find in Scripture. Number one, we find, of course, what is known as a full or complete fast. A full or complete fast is you consume absolutely nothing for, for a period of time. No food, no drink, no water, no nothing. This is the fast Jesus did. This is the fast Moses did. This is the fast Elijah did. This is the fast that Queen Esther had called the people to do. He said for, she said, for these three days, do not eat or drink anything. That is called a full or a complete fast where you don't consume anything for a period of time. Then number two, there is the food fast, okay? Not fast food, that's opposite, okay? The food fast. <laughs> that is when you fast food, but you do drink water or maybe cranberry juice or something that you need to sustain you during that fast. No sugary drinks, no milkshakes and things like that, but water, maybe cranberry juice, something like that. So you're only fasting food. That is a food fast. Then you have the clean fast or the kosher fast or people call it the Daniel fast because this is the way Daniel fasted when he refused to eat from the king's table, the delicacies of the king's table. He says, no, give us fruits, give us vegetables, give us water. We're fine with that. So that is another way that you may decide to fast, the clean or kosher fast. Then there is the entertainment fast, the entertainment fast. When King Darius sent Daniel into the den of lions, knowing he was sending an innocent man in there, the Bible says he went up to his room and he fasted. And he would not allow musicians to come in to play for him. In other words, he fasted not only from food, he fasted from entertainment. You can fast entertainment, things that you normally feed your flesh, TV, Netflix, social media, all kinds of things. You can fast that as well to do the same thing. Then there was the sleep fast. 
the sleep fast. Again, when King Darius went up to his room, the Bible says sleep escaped him. (laughs) He could not sleep because he was busy fasting and praying and thinking about Daniel. So that means maybe I'm going to get up 30 minutes earlier. I know I have to get up at 7 o'clock. I know I have to get up at 6 o'clock. But I'm going to get up at 5.30, just 30 minutes early. I'm going to fast a little bit of my sleep so I can go and be intimate with God. And then the last one we find in Scripture is the sexual fast, where you fast sex. Because, again, this is married couples, okay? Married people, okay? You fast sex. You know, some of your men say, man, seems like I've already been doing that involuntarily. Okay? <laughs> I've been on a sex fast. <laughs> now, this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Okay? This is the chapter on marriage, okay? Where Paul admonishes married couples. He says, do not deprive one another of their affection that is due to them. Do not deprive one another of the affection that is due to them, except during a fast. You may devote yourself fully into God, and then after the fast, make sure you come back quickly so that the devil doesn't tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So there's a sexual fast. So you're having marital problems? Refrain from that for a while and say, well, let's just pray together instead. Let's read, read the word of God. Let's go through a devotion. Let's do something to work on our spirit and not just our body. So these are the fasts that you will find in Scripture. You will find in the Word of God. And so once you have determined why you are going to fast and what you are going to fast, the last thing is how long you're going to do it. And in Scripture, you find people fasted three days. You find people fasted all all the way to 40 days. You find Daniel who fasted 21 days. And anywhere in between that, There are those who fast their lunches. I usually eat lunch, so I'm not going to eat lunch for a while. Or I'm going to fast from sunup to sundown. I'm not going to eat all day. When the sun goes down, then I'll eat. Whatever you decide, whatever you feel that God is telling you why you're fasting, what you're fasting, and how long you're fasting, then just be obedient to that. You don't have to compete with anybody. You don't have to compare your fast to anybody. You don't have to let anybody know you're fasting. Let that be between you and God. The prescription is that we fast. The description is how long. You will never find not one scripture prescribing how long we should fast. You will find scriptures that describe how long people fasted, but never prescribe. So that's why you go to God and you find out what he would have you to fast and how long he would have you to do it. So I wanted to challenge you and even myself as a church. While we are in this consecration period of a brand new year, the first part of the year, and we've been talking about vision and all kinds of things, I want to end it with a fast. And I'm asking and calling for a corporate fast, a church fast. Now, I fast every year, okay? The first of the year, I start the year off with a fast. But it's been rare uh, of times where we have actually called a corporate fast or a church fast. But I want to do that at this time. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to all come back together at 6 o'clock. And we're going to have our last meal together, okay? (laughs) We're going to eat some barbecue sliders, (laughs) pulled pork, all the fictions. (laughs) And then we're going to come back into the sanctuary And we're going to worship and praise God. (laughs) And then we're going to leave here. And for the rest of January, however God calls you to do it, whatever God calls you to do to consecrate yourself, just be obedient to that. And then we're going to come back next Sunday, the first Sunday of February. We're going to rejoice in believing that our conduit has been cleared and we're able to have the power we already have amplified even more in us. And we're going to be able to see results individually, personally, in our marriages, in our families, with our children, and yes, even in our ministries as well. Because that's what God has said. Amen? Give the Lord a hand for his word today. If you will, please. Amen.
Well, I remember uh, Superman, uh, I believe it was the first, very first one. He finds uh, Lex Luthor's house or hideout or whatever, and he goes there. And Lex Luthor takes out a chain. <laughs> and on that chain was kryptonite. And as soon as he brought that chain out, Superman kind of wobbled and held himself on the wall. And he took that chain and he put it around Superman's neck and pushed him into the pool, into the water where he was drowning. And he was saying, help, <laughs> help. Now he was still Superman. He still had the very same power he always had. The only difference now is that power was being blocked. That power was being hindered by the weight of kryptonite around his neck. And it wasn't until the lady, the secretary, came over, pulled him out of the water, and she took off that kryptonite from his neck that he regained his power. The power was able to freely flow once again that he had already had. And he can once again be Superman. God has called us to live supernatural lives. Doesn't mean we're going to be able to fly or shoot laser beams out of our eyes or anything like that. But he has called us to live supernaturally. The word super just means above, above the natural. So your life ought to be different than somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ who doesn't have the spirit of God in there. You, you ought to have a, a different life, a, a different outlook, a different perspective, a different marriage, a different uh, family, a, a different church. There's, there should be a difference about you because of the power that's in you. And if you look at your life and you say, you know, my life is no different than the one who doesn't even know Jesus, there's something wrong there. It could be because there is something that is blocking or hindering the power of God in you from flowing through you. So God simply says, why don't you fast? Why don't you use the resource I made readily available to you? But before you can do that, have an opportunity to do that, you must first have the power in you. And the only way you can have the power in you is by giving your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says Christ in you the hope of glory that is how we are able to have this supernatural power in us by confessing our sin by turning from the way in the direction that we were going and simply giving our lives to Jesus Christ and say Lord forgive me of my sin forgive me of the way that I've lived my life contrary to you I give you my heart I give you my life I make you Lord and Savior have your way in me when you confess Jesus Christ with your mouth, when you believe in him with your heart, you are saved. Not only are you saved from hell, you are saved to him, to heaven, to his kingdom. Which means, he says, when I knock at the door of your heart, I'm not going to come in. I'm not going to bring my power into your life. But you have to be willing to open the door. If you're here today and you've never opened up the door of your heart to Jesus Christ, but you've heard him knocking, you know he's knocking. You hear him. You feel him. But you've just been denying him. And you don't want to deny him any longer. You want to say, yes, Lord. Do that today. Do that right now. Is there anybody here who is making that decision? We would love to rejoice with you. If you're making that decision for the very first time, if you need prayer for whatever reason, we want to be able to pray with you and to pray for you concerning not just this fast that we're going into for this week, but anything that you're going through that, that you have going on in your life. So go ahead and stand, if you will, receive the blessing or the benediction of the Lord, and we will then be dismissed. In Acts 1.8, Acts 1.8, it says this. Jesus told his disciples, I want you to wait here in Jerusalem until you receive the promise. And he says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You know, it's interesting because when Jesus raised from the dead, the first thing he did is he went to his disciples and the Bible says that he breathed on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So if they receive the Holy Spirit and the power then, what were they receiving now? 
the power amplifier. Because <laughs> I believe in that upper room, they weren't just praying, they weren't just waiting. I believe they were fasting. They were consecrating themselves, waiting for the power amplifier. God had given them the power when he rose from the dead, but now he is amplifying that power in them. And God wants to do the same thing in your life and in my life as well, if we allow him to. Raise your hands, receive the blessing or benediction of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you so much for the life-giving spirit that you have given us, for the power that we now have in you because we are now in you and you in us. But we also want to thank you for this power amplifier called prayer and fasting that you have given to us that we may see you work and move powerfully in, my, in our lives. And we are praying that every demon that we have faced up until this moment, it will finally be moved from our lives because we, by faith, have done what you have told us to do. So as we prepare to leave this place, may we never leave the truth that we have learned here today. May it go before us to accomplish what you have purposed us to do for our good and your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask these things. And all of God's people said together, amen, amen. We will see y'all tonight. God bless you.